Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's episode I'll be getting to know Joseph Liu who is a public speaker, a career consultant and host of the Career Relaunch podcast which is a top 20 careers podcast with listeners in 163 different countries. So Joseph, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Hello Tom, thanks so much for having me, looking forward to our chat. Thank you so much and just out of interest, whereabouts in the world are you right now? So I'm originally from the United States, as you can tell from my accent, but yep. I am based in Beckenham, Kent in the UK, awesome. which is just south of London. Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing. And I just want to just share a little bit more about you before we do get started. So Joseph helps professionals define and market their personal brands more effectively. He has served as a TEDx speaker and has been featured in Forbes, in Fast Company and also in Glassdoor. And he's dedicated to helping professionals bravely relaunch their careers. So, Joseph, this all sounds incredible and fascinating. And my first question I wanted to ask you today, mostly because I'm fascinated by the journey, is how you've got into the field of helping people to relaunch their careers. Well, it's probably a combination of both my personal and professional experiences. So, personally, I've actually gone through some pretty major career changes in my past. So Mm -hmm. I originally wanted to become a doctor, went to medical school, quit after two weeks, eventually pursued a career in marketing. I also moved from the Bay Area in San Francisco to London without a job lined Mm -hmm. up, which was a pretty big move for me. And then about a decade ago, I left the corporate world and my corporate marketing job behind to launch my own career consultancy. So I've had this personal experience of relaunching my career, I have experienced firsthand how emotionally taxing it can be and how Mm -hmm. practically complicated it can be. So that was the origin of my interest in this topic. And then professionally, I was doing a coaching course on the side when I was working in my most recent corporate marketing job. Mm -hmm. I loved that. And then I started coaching people on this topic of navigating career transitions. And that's how I got into this line of work. Amazing. What what a journey. And I just want to just talk about so both worlds. So you've got the, the consultant world and you've got the corporate world. And um, how has public speaking and presenting and you know raising your image and your personal brand, how has that helped you in, in both of those different environments? Well, I would say it's been critical, Tom. Mm. So in my former corporate life and, and just in my former, I guess, full-time traditional job. Yeah. Um, chapter of my career, I felt like presentations, being able to speak and communicate clearly was absolutely essential. So there's three ideas that immediately come to mind and three memories was one of my first jobs out of college was at a radio uh, station in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I was a news anchor for a while for Hawaii Public Radio. And that was the origin of me seeing how much communication was critical to a job. Yeah. I eventually moved into health policy consulting after medical school. You're regularly communicating with clients. You're regularly having to deliver presentations to clients. So it's critical there. And then also when I spent about a decade working in marketing, it's all about communication. You're yeah. communicating with your teams. You're having to deliver presentations internally. You're having to pitch your ideas. So it was absolutely critical there. And 
now in my consultancy work and as I run my own independent business, my entire work is centered around public speaking mm. and presentation skills and giving workshops and hosting webinars. And so this is, this is kind of critical to my uh, livelihood. It's also work I really enjoy doing. And it, it would have not been possible uh, without this angle of public speaking and communication. Um, not to mention the podcast I host, which yes. is Career Relaunch. And that, that's a, as you know, Tom, that's all about communication and mm -hmm. being able to get your ideas across quickly and clearly. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. for That's been really, really interesting to listen to that. And let's now go back to the very beginning, actually, because, um, you know, was it always like this? Were you always able to stand up and speak or did it start off with maybe more shaky beginnings? D definitely the latter, Tom. Mm -hmm. So I grew up as a very shy child. I yeah. was uh, someone who was kind of afraid to speak up culturally. I am, well, I'm Taiwanese American. My parents were from Taiwan. I grew up in the United States and just culturally, we're, I guess, compared to the average American, mm -hmm. a little bit more of an introverted culture. Yeah. And so not only was I a minority in that way in the classroom, but also I was just very introverted. And so I remember whenever I had to raise my hand in class, my face would turn red. I, I could feel it turning red. I was very nervous. Um, I was a violin player growing up. And whenever I went on the stage to perform, I was literally sweating buckets. Like I yeah. was, I was not even that focused on playing the music, but I was just focused on trying to just keep my composure up there. And I guess my earliest memory of having to stand up in front of any sort of audience was in the sixth grade, because we had to memorize and recite a poem, which mm -hmm. was the road less taken by Robert Frost. And that was, that was absolutely terrifying. You remember me. it well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was really scary. And uh, yeah, that's, those were my origins. <laughs> so it, it's really interesting. This, this, this concept of, you know, going red and, and being embarrassed because that was my memory of school as well. And, and, and my university life. And I think because I used to go red in front of people when I had to speak, that's why later in life, I think I avoided public speaking. I avoided presenting. I, I went into jobs which made sure I didn't have to present and public speak. And mm -hmm. I think that really, really held me back in my career, actually, because I was avoiding public speaking. And really, I should have leaned into it a little bit when I got older. Yeah, I, I can very much relate to that, Tom. I have many memories of managers, multiple managers in multiple organizations telling me that I needed to speak up more. Mm. And I remember having to be encouraged to present and it, it was just not something that I necessarily wanted to do. That was not right. on the enjoyable side of my task list. No, no. But what about now? Would you say that it is enjoyable now? Do you like standing up and presenting? I do. I think the turning point for me was probably when I was the age of 20. I was actually still in college at the time and I was a resident assistant for a, a summer camp called Missouri Scholars Academy. And yeah. at, at the closing ceremony, this is a three-week program for talented high school students. And you get to stand up there and you get to leave them with some parting thoughts. And I remember looking out in the audience and just feeling how much of an impact you can have on people in just a few seconds. And that was really the moment that it planted the seed in my mind that actually, you know what, maybe public speaking could be something I would really enjoy doing in the future. And now it's a, it's a central part of my, my life. I enjoy it. I, I feel very comfortable with it. 
I wouldn't say it's always been like that for me professionally. It's been a long road to get here. Uh, my first talks were not great, <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's something I really enjoy and it's something I feel does have a positive impact on other people. It's really important actually that, that putting the spotlight away from you as the speaker actually to what impact and what value you can add to the audience. And I think that's a really important part of transitioning from being really focused and self-conscious to actually how much value can I add as, as a speaker? Mm-hmm. Um, the next question, because you mentioned then that some of the early presentations didn't go very well. What, um, <laughs> right. what advice would you give to a young Joseph about to stand up and speak in front of maybe a corporate audience? Well, the first thing that I would recommend he do is to rehearse his presentation and time it out. Yeah. Because one of the, well, one of the very first public talks I gave, at least professionally, was at a conference in London called Marketing Week Live. And there's thousands of people who go to this thing. And unfortunately, I had mistimed my presentation. And also, the last person who spoke before me went overtime. And so I actually was overtime by a few minutes, which actually meant I had to cut out my entire last section. Yeah. And I, I didn't even get to do it. I had to like rush through it. And there was literally somebody coming up, waving me off of stage. And it was, <laughs> this was my very first talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I would practice the timing and yeah. I would probably give yourself a little bit of buffer if you're speaking at a conference or if you're speaking uh, in a corporate engagement, because just timings are sometimes a little bit off and it's really important to end on time. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things that comes to mind. Yeah, that, that, that's really important. And, you know, you know, you kind of mentioned that being rushed off at the end, have there been any other big speaking catastrophes or, or failures that, that come to mind to you? Well, I've had some, well, yeah, I just, where do I start? Yeah. I, I think that I've had issues come up where the tech fails me. I've had issues that come up where my clicker didn't work because the clicker I use was interfering with some of the equipment in the room. So I've now yeah. since switched to a Bluetooth clicker. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the big ones that I think it didn't end up being that noticeable to other people, but it was to me was when I gave my TEDx talk in 2014. Mm-hmm. And we were told that we were going to have what some people describe as either a comfort screen or a presenter's viewing screen where you could yeah. look toward the audience, but you would have a screen in front of you as you see with many corporate presentations, like Apple presentations, where you could kind of see your presentation and that, that screen wasn't working. They couldn't ah, get it to work. Yeah. So that was just an added layer of pressure that day. So I wouldn't assume that all the equipment's going to work well ah. because oftentimes it doesn't. Yeah. And I think that's important for a lot of people don't speak and present because they're worried about what might happen. Um, but the reality is things will happen. Um, you know, along yeah. your journey, there will be mistakes, there'll be technical issues. So the more you can prepare and the more you can get yourself ready, and the more you can think through what may happen and then almost um come up with solutions to prevent that from happening, I think will be really important to help yeah. with that confidence level. Yeah. And once you had it happen a few times, this it's actually important to go through that because then the next time it happens, you're not so shaken by it. Yeah. And, and that's really important to, to almost know what it feels like to fail, to know what it feels like for something to not go well. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen for it sure. Is. Like your first talk is not going to be your best talk. No. And so just to keep that in mind. Yeah. And go through that, like you said. So we've talked about people listening to this podcast who are maybe early on in their journey and starting out and thinking about how do I get into this world? But what about at the other end of the scale? So people who maybe have just about 
nailed confidence and they, they can speak and they can present, but they're not yet getting paid to speak. So how would you transition from a, a speaker into a, a paid keynote speaker? Well, part of that is internal and part of it's external. So I think part of it is just understanding yourself that you have now reached a point where you've gone from just speaking because you enjoy it or because you feel like you're adding some value to actually charging people for it. And, and that's a bit of a mental leap yeah. that I had to make and that many people who I talk to have to make. Like, how much should I charge? Uh, should I charge for this thing? Or would I rather not charge and make sure I get the opportunity to do it? Mm -hmm. And so this, this pricing and, and valuing yourself, the first person you actually have to convince is yourself. Yeah. Once you've done that, then you could potentially go out and there's different ways that you can do this, but I have found it is useful to start with people you know, let them know about the topic or the area of expertise you plan to cover and see what comes your way. So mm -hmm. to, to actually proactively reach out to people and let them know that you're giving talks and this is what you charge. Um, that's one way. There are also speaker matching programs yeah. or services. I personally haven't had a lot of work come in that way, but they do exist. So you can look online to find speaker match services or people who are, who are kind of curate opportunities and match, match you with those opportunities. Great. And, and I guess, um, you know, being paid to talk isn't necessarily the only way to make money from, from talking either. So if you're a consultant or a coach, it may well be, like Joseph mentioned, the opportunities that come from that presentation as well. So definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I've given talks where people will come up to me afterwards and they'll want me to present in their companies mm -hmm. or they may be interested in individual coaching. So yeah, there, you never really know you, what no. sort of seeds you will plant. Yeah. So yeah. Great. No, really, really useful information. Thank you for that. Um, and, and I think one of the points that a lot of speakers tell me is it's important to have a, a niche or it's important to have a lane um, because ultimately if you try and be a business speaker or you know, a life coach speaker, then it, it's quite hard because there's such, such a lot of competition. So is it important that you have a lane and you stay to it? Absolutely. And this is something I really believe also, perhaps because of my origins professionally in marketing, where it's all about when you when you think about brand positioning, it's all about offering something specific yeah. and not trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah. So when it comes to speaking, I do feel it's really important to have a niche or a swim lane, an area of expertise, and to just start somewhere. One, one of the challenges I think is where do you start? Which topic should I focus on? And the more specific you can be, the better. And yeah. I would think a little bit about what do you enjoy speaking about? Mm -hmm. What area are you credible in? Mm -hmm. And where might there be a market for that topic? Yeah. And yeah, the, the, the more specific, the better. Awesome. That's been really useful. Um, and just one question, because it's quite topical still at the minute. So we, we've just gone through pretty big global pandemic where we pretty much the market for speaking dropped off the face of the earth um, yeah. how did you have to transition during that period did you just quickly move on to to zoom or what, what did you do yeah so you're absolutely right so basically in early 2020 that's when the pandemic hit at least that's when it really started to hit here in, in europe and in the uk and i remember all of my in-person workshops being canceled, like yeah. all within the same week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at that point in time, I had already been doing a little bit 
of virtual presentations, not a tremendous amount. I'd say it was maybe like 5% mm. of what I did. And I had actually been using Zoom for many years because um, that was the platform I was using with um, individual private clients. So right. I was very familiar with Zoom. Yep. And I just scrambled to mm. convert all of my materials into uh, virtual friendly presentations. I remember um, I erected this sort of screen, like it's like one of these like projector screens behind me in my very crammed house at the time. Yeah, I invested in a better lighting system. And I actually initially offered the business schools I worked with, because I've worked primarily with business schools and corporates. Um, I offered to, to host a session for them virtually on uh, one of the topics we were talking about at the time, which was virtual presentation skills. And I just offered it for free. Yeah. to many of those yeah. business schools and to kind of demonstrate that we can still deliver this content successfully virtually. And that ended up um, being a useful investment of time. And then from there, I started doing a lot of webinars. And so in 2021, right. I, I probably did around 100 webinars, something like that. Yep. Wow. And it's kind of shifted now back to where some people are doing webinars, some people are doing live, and there's a lot of hybrid that's mm. happening. So yeah. Well, and and what because that, that was my next question really what what are your thoughts on on hybrid and and how, does it really work so if people are in a room and people are almost looking in on the room does does that really work well it it does the job mm-hmm. i've done three different versions of hybrid where i'm remote delivering to an audience that's sitting in a room together okay yeah which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. well basically broadcasting yeah i've done a a version where I am in person and there are people sitting there in person and people calling in remotely. Yeah. And then I've done versions where I am on site and other people are uh, all calling in remotely. And I'm basically there remotely. It's like the inverse of me being at home doing it, but yeah. I'm actually on site doing it. Yeah. I found in all cases, the hybrid version where you've got people who are calling in virtually and also sitting there live, that's the hardest one. Mm. Because both groups feel a little bit shortchanged because yeah. your your attention is split. But the, the reality is that that is just the way things are right now. Mm. And so if you're interested in speaking, just be aware that there may be an, a technical element that you may need to layer on top of the actual public speaking itself. So being technically savvy is now not only preferred, but probably a mandatory requirement yeah. for anybody who thinks they're going to do a virtual presentation. Yeah, that, that, that's really important because it does feel like hybrids here to stay and um, reduction in travel costs, reduction in having to fly all over the place to, for to, sure. to these speakers. So it feels like it's here to stay, but it's just trying to figure out how we do it in a way where people don't feel shortchanged. Um, that's yeah. the next challenge for people to think about, I guess. Yeah, I actually feel like that when it's 100% virtual, that can work. Or when yeah. it's 100% live, well, that definitely works. Yeah. So that hybrid model, a lot of my clients, uh, business school clients are still following that model right now. Mm. But I know that there's a thirst to flip back to 100% live. Yeah. Um, just, it's just simpler, technically. Yeah, perfect. Well, Joseph, I've really enjoyed this conversation. We've had a ton of value. And um, my last question for you today is if anybody wants to either book you as a speaker or, or get, get in touch with you, where can people connect with you online? So two places. The first place that you might want to go is josephlu.co, where you can learn more about me and the kind of speaking work I do, which is primarily focused on personal branding and career change topics. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, if you're interested in 
checking out my career relaunch podcast, you can also go to careerrelaunch.net and hear some stories of other people who have made radical career changes. Awesome. Thank you so much. And what I'll do is I'll add links to both the website and the podcast into the show notes so people can just click on that and dive right in. So thank you so much again for your time today. I really appreciate coming along and sharing your amazing journey with us and our audience. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. Appreciate it.